0: I uh, just pick out some of the, the reasons why uh, we can re- recover respect for the ordinary. How do we actually come to embrace the ordinary as more than a command to uh, be Christians where we are, but a- as a delight? And, and part of that is, is to go back again to God and to see the ways God works. Wonderful, uh, 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 even miraculous Effects through very ordinary means. Uh, we've talked about how ordinary is not mediocre. We're, we're not talking at all about uh, uh, basically uh, settling for uh, for second place. Um, it's not about first place or second place at all. Anyway, it's about loving and serving our neighbors. Uh, it's certainly not about me- mediocrity. It's actually, it's actually the 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 18,000 sprints that we're told to do uh, uh, in every walk of life in this culture that undermine excellence. Doing one thing well in all of its parts in detail over a long period of time. Very difficult for us to do that. It's it's increasingly difficult for us to do that in a very high-tech culture where everything is immediate and we're always... It seems surfing through things rather than deep-sea diving. We also talked about how uh, it makes a difference to see uh, our relationships with the Lord, with each other, and with our spouses as a covenant rather than a contract. But today I want to focus on how we can recover respect for the ordinary out of watching God, uh, how God uh, uh, works in uh, uh, ordinary ways to produce extraordinary effects. Now, of course, uh, uh, when we look at creation, God, who called the whole cosmos into being out of nothing, let there be, and there was, could work that way all the time. Uh, it could be, uh, every, everything that God does could be a fiat act. Uh, let there be cookies at the break. And there are cookies, and no one has to bring cookies. Uh, But but God chose to do it differently. Some things he does in that way, but they're very, very, very rare. Most of the time, God likes to work through means. Uh, We have to see what goes before the announcement, let there be light, and there was light. Uh, In verse 2, the Spirit appears, hovering over the face of the waters. What's the Spirit doing? He's not just taking in the sights, he's not just a a, a tourist on a cruise. The Holy Spirit is is fomenting life. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is brooding over the waters to create life and to separate waters from waters and then waters from dry land so that a space can appear for covenantal fellowship between God and us. In all things that the Trinity does, the Father is the source, the Son is the mediator, and the Spirit is the one who is at work within creation to bring the project to completion. That's why the Spirit's always associated with the last days, because He brings everybody home on all the bases. He, he's the one who completes the job. He will be poured out in the last days, and He is there in creation. Uh, in the the last part of that work, bringing about the effect of the Father's word in the Son. Uh, And then also, uh, even even after this, we see a different kind of word spoken. Uh, uh, It's not a fiat, ex nihilo, let there be and there was. What we read is, and God said, let the earth, sprout vegetation a a plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed each according to its kind on the earth and it was so all at once was it so no not this time we read verses 11 through 13 the earth brought forth vegetation and god saw that it was good you see the the difference God brought forth the world out of nothing, and it was so. Now we read, let the earth bring forth, and the response of the earth is, okay. Because the Holy Spirit was at work within creation to bring about its amen to what God had said. The earth brought forth, not God ex nihilo created apples, every apple on every apple tree for the rest of the the seasons going throughout the history of, uh, of the world. No. The earth brought forth vegetation, and God saw that it was good. God saw that what was good? God saw that an orderly, natural process with which He has endowed creation is good. It's not only a process, it was a natural process. We have to get out of the habit of thinking that natural means non-divine activity. See, we've got this, draw these columns and we say, well, if God did it, then it has to be a miracle. That's what most people mean, you know, an act of God in your insurance policy. An act of God is a miracle, right? So we don't know what to do when, in terms of our faith, how to relate our faith, when uh, it's something that, that happens because our body quote-unquote, heals itself, or doctors heal us. say, well, no, no, the doctors didn't heal me. God healed me. Well, pretty good doctors. You know, the doctors healed you and God healed you. God is the primary author of your healing. Doctors are the secondary a- author of the healing. When you cut your finger, uh, you don't pray for a miracle. Well, you can, I guess, if, if you're, you know, uh, everything is big, uh, you cut, you cut your finger, you don't necessarily pray for a miracle that it will close up miraculously in five minutes, you'll be able to play tennis again. It, it just, it's a natural process. You know how it works, right? It's ordinary. God heals people every day that way. Is that not stupendous? Have we forgotten with all of our medicine and all of our hurry up now and da 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 da? Have we forgotten with all of our technology just how absolutely mind-blowing it is that our body, far more than medicine, takes care of itself? That's not where God is absent. That's where God is present. God is present in those processes. It's not just that he... Created the process, then he walked away. From now on, it's sort of up to the process. God still works through the process. God is still speaking through the process. God is still upholding the process, the Father in the Son by the Spirit. But now he's sustaining rather than originating creation. The formula is repeated, and God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of swarming things. English tries to sort of uh, turn it into uh, something that isn't as repetitive. I, uh, really just let the, let the water swarm with swarms of swarming things. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Wow. Just keep doing that and that and that. Keep it going. Keep doing that. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. See, there's nothing to suggest that this was anything other than a normal process. But that doesn't make it any less the effect of God's sovereign word. Providence. A classic case of man. I mean, one of the things that has really hurt us is you have... Anti-supernaturalists on one side, and too often the only opponent they have is a hyper-supernaturalist. What gets lost in the bargain with that standoff is the doctrine of providence. God is not at work, so you have to prove miracles. You have to you have to you have to prove that God exists by miracles. When it's it, it, it's it's a lot of fun to to. Prove that God exists by providence, by ordinary things. Uh, We're learning more and more, and there are scientists among us who could uh, speak to this more eloquently than I can, but we're learning more and more from science. Just how unlikely it is that we all exist. (laughs) How unstable, how chaotic everything is, and yet somehow... All of that chaos is managed in an orderly way. From our vantage point, it's chaos. And yet, it leads to order. How does that happen? I mean, it's, it's one thing to argue that, that God has to exist because look at look at how did we get here. It's quite another thing to, to say every day it, we shouldn't be here. It's not just once upon a time. It's, it's that, that chaos should unravel everything, and it doesn't. We have a beautiful child, and everybody says, what a miracle, you no? what a miracle. Now I know what people mean, and that's not a very good time anyway to, to challenge people's theology. Uh, it can get a slap in the face at that, at that particular moment. Um, But uh, it's, uh, it's not a miracle. What, are you saying this isn't a big deal? No, I'm saying you don't think providence is a big deal. No, it is a very big deal. A very, very big deal that God has woven together, not a machine, but this organic, living, intelligent, emotional human being for nine months within the, the atmosphere of another human being's womb. Of course it's stupendous, and it's one of the most ordinary things happening every day all around the world. God works mostly through natural means. You can't rule out miracles, but you also can't expect them. Expect a miracle is an an oxymoron. You can't expect miracles. That's the whole point of miracles. You can pray for them, and, and, and they're not ruled out by any stretch of the imagination. We prayed for them today, didn't we? We keep praying for miracles in each other's lives. But we can't expect them because they are not regular. They are not, what we can expect is the sun to rise tomorrow. We pray, give us this day our daily bread, but we don't expect bread to fall from heaven. As in days of old, rather we go to the store and how many layers and layers and layers and layers of mediators does God have to get us that daily bread? People with trucks, people uh, uh, at the grocery store, managers, checkout clerks, and so on and so forth, the farmers. Once we recover a greater sense of God's ordinary calling as the site of His faithfulness, we can take up our ordinary callings as the site of our faithfulness. Once we see how much God delights in the ordinary, we can delight in the ordinary as well. Secondly, revelation. Ordinary language. Ordinary people. You know, when you look at those who are called... Uh, You look at uh, Abraham, Moses, especially. Moses, Isaiah, Paul. Great mouthpieces of God. And yet, in each of those situations, they said, "Mm, I don't don't think I'm your guy. I can can recommend some people. You know, Moses says, I can't talk. I'm not eloquent at all. Uh, I flunked all the speech exams. Uh, I think that I'm not the right guy for the job. Isaiah... Even put it in moral terms, I'm a man of unclean lips, uncircumcised lips, and dwell among a people of uncircumcised lips, for I have beheld the Holy One Himself. And that's, that's a normal response. That, that's a normal response in God's presence. Or the Apostle Paul said, you know, we carry around this treasure in jars of clay. The super apostles are going around say, you know, strutting on the stage and making it all about them. Paul's, Paul walks into the room and he said, I know what you say, I, I know. When, wow, his, weighty, his letters are weighty. But he walks into a room and everybody says, Seriously? So that the power would rest with God, not with, not with us. The incarnation is another great example here. Um, now, all of creation is upheld In the Son. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. When the Father said, let there be light, and there was light, that was only because he said it in the Son as the mediator. The Son is the mediator of all of his works. And then the Holy Spirit who hovered over those waters in creation hovered over Mary's womb so that That what would be born of her would be the Son of God. As he was the fertile presence over the ocean. He was the fertile presence over the waters of Mary's womb. He will bind the eternal Son of God to her genetic line. To her human DNA. So that what is born of her will be the Son of God. And she replies, let it be done to me according to your word. Because the same Spirit who will be at work in her to bring about this miracle is the one who is at work in her heart already bringing about the miracle of faith. And so, whenever we encounter not only the Father's speech in the Son, but the Spirit's bringing forth of inspired speech from human witnesses, the new creation dawns. Both the Incarnation and Mary's consent are won by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? always working within creation to bring about the results, not just acting upon it like brute force. And so this was a great miracle. No question about it. It was in the let there be and there was category. And yet our Lord's gestation and birth were a normal nine-month process. He didn't get out any earlier than we did. Let the earth bring forth, and the earth brought forth. The earth produced. Jesus wasn't a child prodigy. You know, there's those stories in the Gnostic Gospels that treat Jesus as not really human, where he would, you know, have, have arguments with other little boys at the, at the pond and then uh, turn them into uh, uh, newts or, you know, little lizards or things. Uh, <laughs> That, that obviously, everyone knew that that wasn't uh, those were not canonical books. He wasn't a child prodigy. His own brothers didn't know when he reached adulthood what he was thinking, when he started talking about things that made it sound like he was God. Seriously? Now, how do your own brother? Well, because you're fully human. Luke tells us, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Grew in wisdom and in stature and even in favor with God and man. That's just phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine? The, the hardest, the hardest I, person, I think, in the whole story, the, the, the toughest row to hoe is Joseph's. Mary treasured all these things in her heart. Well, terrific, but what about Joseph? Joseph is like, like T. Michael. Jo- Joseph is working in his carpentry shop, making things, his son is growing up and he's teaching him how to make chairs when all along he knows that he made the wood. <laughs> and Jesus asks, what was it again? Lefty, Lucy, tighty, whitey, ty- what, what, what? How does that go? And Joseph is thinking, are you playing with me? I mean, seriously, everything, I do think about this probably more than I should, but everything... <laughs> Everything for Joseph, everything for Joseph, he must have thought, is he testing me? Is this a test? He's God. He already knows that, but he didn't. But Joseph did. Joseph knew he was, but there was a time when Jesus did not know he was God. When he came gradually, wisdom and the the life of the Holy Spirit came to realize who he was to that point where he's standing and saying, you know, Mom and Dad, where are you? We've been looking all over and he says, Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Ooh, there's, a, there's a change. Before that, we have no indication at all. I mean, just, he grew up. He, Hebrew, uh, he, Hebrews 5.8 tells us, Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Wow, I mean, that is ordinary, right? Some ordinary stuff there. God loves to work through ordinary means. Why on earth did he, did he make him a, a, uh, the son of a carpenter for all those years that he was going to be? Why, why not the greatest rabbi, Gamaliel II, like, who, who instructed the Apostle Paul? Well, because God really has a fondness for the world and for stuff and for what he's made and for the ordinary. Imagine Jesus learning Mary's favorite psalms by hearing her sing them or asking Joseph questions about God while they're working together in the shop. Not only in his incarnation, but in his life and ministry, Jesus was always dependent on the Spirit as he fulfilled his Father's word. Now, we can take this along other... We don't have time to, but we can take this all the way to, to uh, other aspects of the history of redemption. For, for example, we can, we can talk about how God loves to use the ordinary witnesses of prophets and, and apostles. or ordinary people. Uh, God miraculously regenerates us through the preaching of the Holy Gospel. And yet... Sanctification is the let the earth bring forth part. It's not let there be life where there is death. That's regeneration. It's let the earth bring forth. The Holy Spirit is at work in you. So don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Keep up with the Holy Spirit. Don't be children any longer. Grow up. Press on. Paul says, my goal is to present everyone mature in Christ. And so we press on. Sanctification is that let the earth bring forth part. So we bring forth. And uh, that leads finally to uh, uh, the next real big thing. No, the really next big thing. And that is the return of Christ. Behold, I make all things new. You know, there is something in the revolutionary impulse that does hitchhike on the gospel there is something radically new up ahead there is a new creation the ultimate benefit of our salvation is that we will be like god and that the whole creation will be renewed by the energies of his spirit and so here we are now groaning following christ now in humiliation Only then, together with him in exaltation and glory. And the problem is that the passive believer, the passive believer has forgotten that the new age has dawned. That there really is the new age breaking into this present evil age. That the Holy Spirit at Pentecost brought a beak like Noah's dove. Uh, uh, Well, brought a, not a beak, but brought a uh, twig in his beak like Noah's dove when he came down and said, this is is a foretaste of what everything is going to be like. We have a foretaste, brothers and sisters. You're not what you were. It's not just that everything is, is, is off in the future, and so it has no impact on us now. You have been made a new creature in Christ, so let the believers bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. The act of a saint is forgetful that the next big thing is the return of Christ. He has to make all things new perfectly, completely. And so we have to realize that we are are not what we were apart from Easter and Pentecost, although we aren't what we will be at the return of Christ. That is the next big thing. And so what do we do in the light of that? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us directly in 1 Thessalonians 4, as the day of the Lord approaches, he says, Aspire to live quietly and to mind your own business. And to work with your hands. Don't be a busybody. Make something, do something for somebody else. Doesn't sound very world changing. And yet it is exactly those quiet habits, he adds in verse 12, that make up life that lets us walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. What did you do for the kingdom today? You know, what would you do if you knew Jesus were coming back? I remember being asked that lots of times. I had a, like a list uh, and... Uh, Could you, at least, could the pastor maybe give me a clue as to what he's looking for here? But, uh, you know, I I would like to be uh, uh, bringing in the 13th convert of the day. Or I would like to be, you know, uh, found on a Bible float for the community 4th of July parade. Or something big, something fantastic, (laughs) something world-changing. And he says, no, what I'd like to see you do, are you, what, what do you do, what are you? I'm a dental assistant. Well, I'd like, I'd like to, to, to see you cleaning the equipment well for the next patient. But no, no, it can't possibly be. Do you know, Rosa Parks did not get up one day and say, I want to be the first lady of civil rights. She was a good woman who was shaped by a community that did little things every day that were never published in the newspaper, that helped form her into the kind of person she would be one day when on a very ordinary trip, on a very ordinary bus, going to a very ordinary job, she decided, today, I'm not going to sit in the back of the bus. And something extraordinary happened as a result. Brothers and sisters, this is our life, even with our last call, dying as a vocation. After all the vocations God has given us, Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay, we're struck down, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, always carrying in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So death is at work in us but life in you. Everything that we see kind of counts against this promise of the new creation, but we live by the by the promise that God has spoken. We have a, an ordinary life with ordinary means of grace, ordinary callings, and that's exactly where God has placed us and sometimes extraordinary things happen as a result. But there's nothing more ordinary than dying. And all of us are. Used to be books written by wise Christians on dying well. Haven't seen many of those on the bestseller list lately. We don't talk about that, but really that's what Christianity's for. Christianity is not mainly for living, but for dying. And then that changes the way we live every day. It's precisely because of this extraordinary hope up ahead that we can embrace the ordinary lives God gives us here and now. So I'll conclude with Paul's conclusion to this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. The creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope Now, hope that is seen isn't hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And that's enough to make our ordinary lives even a little extraordinary as we look for that extraordinary hope to be fulfilled one day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us in your Son a reason to... Embrace in every moment that which you have called us to do, many vocations, not just one, all the different callings that you place on us, right there in front of people who need us. Help us not to overlook those moments and those little callings, those ordinary moments and ordinary people who really need us to try to strive for something bigger and larger that will somehow get your attention or the attention of others. Help us, Father, to rest in this and to rejoice in this and to look forward to the day when the most extraordinary thing occurs and this world will be made completely new. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Jonathan. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I better turn this off. I, I truly believe that God created man. Oh, yeah, I know. It's too much.